Welcome to Hard Questions About Genesis, brought to you by Community of Faith Bible Church. You can find us at cfbcla.org. And if you have questions about Genesis, we invite you to email us at cfbcla at cfbcla.org. Simple enough. Let's start today's episode. Welcome to a new series uh, that we are jumping into. I think it's very timely, like I was sharing with Bobby. But these are hard questions about Genesis. Hmm. And what I was sharing with Bobby before we started was it seemed like it was very timely because it seems like in this season, for whatever reason, Genesis is under attack. And um, I was sharing with him there was a, um, a book floating around that's attacking this very book. And, um, and it seems like the aim was to discredit it because if we discredit Genesis, you can discredit the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Genesis is the beginning, if you will, of, of time and of the Word of God as believers. And so a lot of questions have uh, surfaced and... Pastor Bobby is the man <laughs> to, uh, to to step up. I also heard, and you can correct me if this is wrong, Bobby, um, in school, I think your dissertation was on Genesis or something like that? Yeah, my teaching thesis was on the first gotcha. four chapters of Genesis. Yeah. Why? You oh, remember why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, just because a lot of what we were struggling with at the time with the gospel, there were these huge debates about uh, lordship and, you know, free grace. And I kept, when as I read Jesus and he would say the kingdom of God is at hand and he called that the gospel or he would, uh, and he wouldn't explain it. And then you would have Paul say things like in Romans chapter one, when he introduced the gospel, he would say, that uh, he had been set apart for the gospel of God, which had been promised beforehand in the prophets. And so I just said, this isn't new. I think some of the reasons why we're debating these New Testament like mm-hmm. texts, because we have taken them out of an Old Testament context. Mm-hmm. And so as I began to trace that, I went right back to where our conversation starts, because on the, uh, and, and this will tee us up too sure. as well, but... When Jesus was talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. he took them back to Moses, mm-hmm. his sermon about who he was mm-hmm. and what he came to do. He said, then beginning with Moses and Luke 24, 27 and all the prophets, he interpreted them concerning himself. So we'll get to all that. But I yeah. just thought like the conversations, if we can ground them in Genesis mm-hmm. can answer a lot of questions we have in the New Testament. Good. It's good stuff. Well, as we begin this uh, series, and it'll just be a series of questions you'll see, uh, you'll you know be able to get it where you've normally uh, gotten the podcast. It's just uh, just a different approach. And to tee it all off, to get it started, um, one of the biggest questions about the hmm. Genesis, and I hear it often uh, as a believer, stated in many ways, but the first question is, should Genesis be read as real history? People say, hey, great book, mm-hmm. but why should I believe that? And who says that's true? Yeah. And, and why? So should, it, should, should we you know, really look at it as history? And, and I get the question. I mean, so when you read Genesis, you have uh, a talking serpent, 
a tree that gives life, people living thousands, a thousand years and all that. And so people said, this is just the stuff of legend and myth and lore, like a lot of ancient New Eastern mythologies. Um, and so people just stop there and they don't ask the question that um, what is the author's intent? Is the author writing this as mythology, legend? Did the original recipients read it as mythology, mm -hmm. legend, and the mm -hmm. like? Did Jesus read it as mythology, legend, yeah. and the like? And the answer is absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So in the text I just even quoted to you mm -hmm. in Luke 24, then beginning with Moses, Jesus begins to quote Moses to identify uh, himself. And then John's gospel says this regarding Jesus' perspective on the first five books of the Bible. If you believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. So Jesus takes it as the prelude to him as a historical figure, <clears throat> a real person, mm -hmm. came with a real mission. Uh, and nothing about Jesus' life is disputed by ancient historians outside of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Tacitus, just a great, some of the great like Roman historians, Josephus, they all like just can give you chrono chronologically the life of Jesus. He's a historical figure, but but particularly when you read Genesis, mm -hmm. uh, Moses writing to a real audience that was liberated from Egypt, and I don't think we debate that historically, that the Egyptians were slaves in Egypt. I mean, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Mm -hmm. They were liberated. So the first five books of the Bible really is one book, mm -hmm. as Moses wrote it. And so the author of Genesis is the author of Exodus. And as they were liberated from the Egyptians, Moses writes their history and their story. Mm -hmm. This is what makes us so special. And you could quote, um, Exodus chapter 19, God wanted to make them a special possession, a holy nation and a royal priesthood and on and on so that <clears throat> from them, God would uh, cause all the other nations really to see his glory. And what nation has been like Israel? Mm -hmm. I mean, here we just go through the history of Israel and they were destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD mm -hmm. and 2000 years later almost. They reconstituted as, as a nation. And I would say because God promised that. Yeah. God promised to make them very special. So these are real people Moses is writing to, real places, Egypt, land of Canaan, mm -hmm. real places. But then when you read Genesis, Moses, even in chapter 2, when he starts to identify the location of this garden, mm -hmm. he says it's by these rivers we know, mm -hmm. the Euphrates. Mm -hmm. uh, he's tying it somewhere in ancient Mesopotamia. And so geographically, he's relocating this, not in some land far, far away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are real places. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's grounding it in real places that people who were reading this would know. Those of Moses' time, they would have known all these places and identified all these places uh, with these rivers that you have in Genesis chapter 2. Um, now, they've been relocated because of the flood, and we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But also, he has a structural marker in his book, um, and it appears about 11 times in the book. We use the word generations. We use the word uh, genealogy. Uh, some texts will say they count. It appears first in Genesis 2-4. These are the records, my translation says, of the heavens and the earth. It appears again in chapter 5, verse 1. 
And what this word does, it really does mark off that God is going to, through Moses, tell us about these stories or these counts of whatever the generation is about, like the generation of Adam in 5.1. So he's telling us about Adam. So what Moses does with this idea of generations, he connects it not just for what happened to creation in 5.1, what happened to uh, Moses in 5.1, but he connects it to the generations of Terah, which was the father of Abraham in chapter 11. And no one disputes if Abraham was a historical character. He's the father of Islam. He's the father of Judaism. He's the father of Christianity. All the major world religions, more than over half the people in the world, account their religious heritage back to this man Abraham. And Moses is connecting all these stories with this word Toledot. So he doesn't start off with a fanciful myth saying this is the generations of creation in 2-4. And then all of a sudden he's talking about a real person in chapter 11. He's intending to say, I'm telling you history. I'm telling you Abraham's history that half the people in the world believe is real, it's true, historical. And they will ground the understanding of Abraham from the Bible. So if you're reading Moses, he is telling you, I'm telling you about real places and real people. And the New Testament cites it as such. Jesus claims it as such. So I think plainly put, I think we should read it as real history, real places, real people. That's how it's written. I think that's how we all, um, I think, consume historical information. So, I mean, what else do you do with that? Anything else to add to that? Uh, if you believe Genesis 1-1, that God created the heavens and earth, mm -hmm. then nothing about this book is hard yeah. to believe. Got you. Yeah, and I, I think that is most definitely essential, and I'm glad this was a good place to start, um, say, chapter one in this series. <laughs>